Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Listen! And welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week, we will be talking about WarioWare, Life is Strange, True Colors, Baldo, uh, Cas- Crunch, Hep- oh, Crunch at Retro Studios, not Captain Crunch, the cereal we were literally just talking about, and more. Sorry. Hi, I'm your host, Casey DeFritis, and this week, I am joined by Rebecca Valentine. Hi, Casey. Hi, Tom Marks. Ah. And Taylor Lyles, who's, it's her first time on Nintendo Voice Chat, and she's an associate tech editor who joined IGN back in May and most recently reviewed the newest Life is Strange. She was also on Beyond and Unlocked last week, so we're completing the Triforce of the IGN podcast this week. Taylor, will you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Yes. Hello, guys. Hello, friends also on the panel. But I'm Taylor. Uh, I'm associate tech editor. I joined IGN in early May. Uh, basically, my focus is just talking about tech and how it's influencing and impacting gaming. And also, every now and then, I'll try to find the quirkiest little gaming gadget thing to write about at IGN and just kind of see how the audience reacts to it. But yeah, in conclusion, I really like Nintendo. N64 was my first console. My first handheld was the Game Boy Color. Played a lot of Pokemon. I think that was pretty much the only game I had for it at the time before I got older and realized, oh, there's actually more fun games to play. And I also just really love talking about consumer tech. So if you want to talk tech with me, you can always hit me up on Twitter later. (laughs) Where can we find you on Twitter? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at TayNixter. Thank you. Appreciate it. So let's get started with the first topic of this week. And that is WarioWare, Get It Together. This is out on Friday, which is tomorrow, if you're listening on the day that this podcast is released. Tom Marks reviewed the game, and I've been playing the game for wiki and gameplay capture support. And Tom gave it a seven. Would you like to give a quick summary on why you gave WarioWare that score? Yeah, so uh, I, I've i always liked WarioWare games. I've, you know, Smooth Moves on the Wii was, like, and also the GameCube game before, before that were like two of my favorite kind of party mm-hmm. games. Um, I played less of the DS ones just to kind of like, I know that this is kind of where some people are coming from is like the camp of the handheld WarioWares, which were always more solo experiences versus the camp of the console WarioWares, which were always more party games, or that's kind of how I read it. At least maybe that's just my impressions. Anyway, um, 
I so I reviewed this one. I gave it a seven because it is a really fun, wacky WarioWare. It's really pretty. The music, the art design is really, really good. Micro games are very fun. The characters are like hit and miss, basically. Like I like the character system okay, but some of the character designs are just like really poor. Like there's a version, like there's a person that can fly and shoot in one direction, and then there's a version of that person that can shoot in one direction but just can't stop jumping and so there there's just these case, cases where like some characters are objectively worse versions of other characters and that's not like interesting or fun it's just like oh that character is just bad and like i don't know it's just it's just not as engaging and then the kind of more the bigger breaking point for me really is that like the multiplayer modes in this are apart from like co-op in the story mode the multiplayer modes are just like really underwhelming like I, I played a couple evenings with friends for this review and very quickly it was just like, yeah, we're kind of over this, right? Like it, they're fun. You're definitely going to have fun with the multiplayer modes. I'm absolutely not saying that if they're not like enjoyable, but like the shine just kind of wears off quickly is the issue. So like you're going to do it. You're going to play for a few rounds. It's going to be a really laugh out loud time. But like I played for a few rounds, had a laugh out loud time, and like now kind of just don't really I don't think I'm gonna be reaching for get it together in like a party game scenario anytime soon, really. It it just doesn't lack the long or it lacks the long-term appeal that a party game I think needs. Um, but again, it is still a very good game. It's still a very fun, silly WarioWare game. It's very kind of well-produced, very shiny and nice looking. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but ultimately I did just have a really, I had a really good time with it. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure people who are fans of WarioWare will at least enjoy it. Even if it isn't like breaking the mold, like the wonderful homecoming for a console WarioWare game that I was hoping for. I actually, so it's nice that you don't have to, there are no motion controls for this game, but I think it might've been, more fun and unique if you did have to use some motion controls for it. But I understand they did it this way so that people with the Switch Lite would not be left out, which is also why I think the new Mario Party that's coming out at the end of October is the same. You won't have to use, there will be no motion controls to control with the minigames. But I also had a lot of fun playing through the campaign with um, a friend who I played WarioWare with back in the game, back in the day on the Wii. And we had a lot of fun with that, but I kind of had the same experience with you. It's like once I did unlock all of the multiplayer mini games outside of the main story campaign, I just, it's fine. I, right. same as you, I would, I would reach for Mario party or Alpaca ball, which we'll talk more later <laughs> or um, rocket league or something else like before this one, most of the time, unless I had someone over who was like, Oh, worry where I haven't played that yet. Let's do it. And then we'd like break right. it out and probably play for like 30 minutes or an hour. And then, switch over to something else I, I and that's do, exactly maybe? right it's like yeah. it's not like that 30 minutes to an hour would be painful terrible i never want to do it again it's just like it would be 30 minutes to an hour of fun and then you'd move on and like yes. i think that's that's the, the key sort of difference here yeah no i completely agree it is it's a it's a good fun time it's just not a lot in there right. um and it's well presented uh rebecca and taylor are you gonna play warrior I, well, I have kind of a question, actually. This is like maybe a silly baby 
WarioWare inexperienced person question, but my my experience with WarioWare is very limited so far. The only time I have played it was a couple times with friends, the GameCube version, uh, multiplayer. And it was very fun because it was the series of micro games. It was very fast paced. We were passing the controller around our circle of people uh, playing very quickly and and yelling and, and being very goofy. And so when I saw that this was coming out, I assumed it would be that, but like maybe more micro games or something. And you're talking about a campaign and then the multiplayer is not good. And so right. I like, how is this different from like, what, what is the big difference? Is it, are the modes different? Is it just the games are worse? What so, is so happening here? The campaign does have multiplayer. It's a two player multiplayer, which I don't think right. WarioWare has done before. I don't think their yeah, campaigns have been to co-op. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, uh, but so the, the story mode, the, the, the single player stuff or single player co-op stuff, the story mode is basically a series of like, for lack of a better term, like themed playlists of micro games. So there'll be one that's like the food micro games. And there's another one that's like the nature micro games. Um, and the first time you go through the story, there there's like a little bit of, you know, dialogue here and there. There's a really light story that's very kind of silly and pointless and you don't have to pay attention too much, but is also funny and enjoyable at the same time um and it only takes like a couple hours to finish everything that the story mode has to offer in terms of playing through it once but warrior single player has never really been like i don't really see the two hour mark as like a bad like it's not long but it's not like oh this game has no content like this Mm -hmm. the single player and in this case single player and co-op of WarioWare has always been about score attack so it's Mm -hmm. like you get into these themed playlists and you the you know the pace gets faster the levels get harder the longer you go and it's just about yeah. how many micro games can you complete before you fail out and that's yeah. what the kind of meat of that single player is is these like score attack challenges where you're pushing yourself and learning the games and getting better and that sort of thing. and the micro games do change as you up in difficulty like every it depends right. on which playlist you're playing but like say every 10 micro games there is a boss battle and those boss battles change every 10 levels when you do them again and every like level up you do the micro games get a little bit harder or a little bit more interesting like for example there's a nintendo classic micro game where you have to hit a question block and like classic uh, mario and that's the first level and the second level you have to hit it and then also collect the item that comes out of the uh question block so there's just like small little things that make it micro microcosmically a little bit more difficult each time you go up the level which makes it more and more difficult so and that adds to the entertainment as well because you're not doing the same exact micro games every single time there is a little bit of changes also with the nintendo classics i play the nintendo classics playlist a lot um the the you play a mario level basically with one of the warrior characters uh, as the boss and the second difficulty of that is a different level so like just different things like that that keep it interesting yeah and that's also why the characters come in too like in mm-hmm. this game specifically you know th- they've never had these like different control schemes for characters and that's the part of the characters that i actually do really like is that a smaller playlist can have more variety to its micro games because the way that you solve a micro game a like single micro game can be very different if you're using a character that can fly compared to a character that can only jump compared to a character that literally can't move and can only shoot. And like, Mm -hmm. those aren't like massive changes to the point where like, it's a completely different game, but it does just add sort of like a different little twist, a different flavor to stuff you've played a bunch of times already. 
So there is, I think, enough here to be an entertaining score attack WarioWare game for sure. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And just PSA, you don't... Um, so the multiplayer pack beyond just the story mode uh, playlist, you don't unlock until you beat most of the game. Uh, yeah. And then you'll unlock the variety pack that has the different micro games that you can play with people like that Smash game that... Uh, that Tom mentioned. And then also once you completely beat the campaign, you also unlock a new system. I don't even, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how to explain this in a concise way, but basically you unlock a, a gotcha mechanic that deposits prezzies that you spend your gold on to get. And then you can give these prezzies to your characters, which uh, promotes them, promotes their jobs. And it's just so the weird. better job title they have, the more costumes and customizations op- options you have for them, the more gallery art you have, and also the more points you get when you use them in the ranked mode. Yeah. It's very weird. The fact None that of this game, sounds anything like the WarioWare that I know. Right. <laughs> the fact that there's a gotcha, like, cosmetic gotcha game in the middle of WarioWare that has basically nothing to do with anything like it it ties into a couple things but it's it's pretty much just there for like when you're grinding out high scores like put the coins you yeah it's something something. to do with your with your coins yeah and like that's that's i guess neat it's just like so convoluted it is so unnecessary and there's no microtransactions or anything like no no don't worry about that side of it it's just one of those examples of like even in a world where this is not like trying to exploit money from someone, it's just like like why is this the system you chose? <laughs> like, yeah, I was why? I was thinking we would spend our coins on like cosmetics, like you said, but instead it's to get you get prezies, of which there are a hundred of them, all in different there are five different rarities of the prezies. And also for every prezi there are five levels of likeness for the characters. So like only uh, only five characters will like that Prezi the most and they'll get the most points from it. It's like, it's a lot. I was like, should we do a wiki page on this? No, no. I'm going to explain <laughs> how it works, but I am not documenting the, uh, what, 1,019 transactions I would have to do to figure out how much everyone likes, I don't know, a shoe and a jewel. So it's you can figure it out. It's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It, it, and again, it also is just like one of those things where because basically the only reward for these prezies, besides like the weird kind of points and ranked mode or whatever, is like recolors of your characters, mm-hmm. which don't even matter in multiplayer, because when you're playing in multiplayer, you're using like colors based on what player you are anyway. Is just sort of like it's cute if you're really dedicated. Yeah. It's something to put points into, but mm-hmm. if you're not, you can basically safely ignore the entire gotcha system and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I do I do like the art that you unlock. It's really cute. Yeah. And some of the the special cosmetics are like you can turn someone into like a zombie and they even make zombie sound effects. Like it's very silly. Um but like Tom said, you can only use it in single player. But like hey, at least there is something to reward you besides the intrinsic like rush you get for beating your previous top score. So there's yeah. that. Also the Wario Cup is extremely difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the ranked mode. Yeah, Very but hard. That's, and that's also one of those things where they're only giving one challenge a week, mm-hmm. which feels pretty light to me. There's so far been, like, it, in during the review period, we got to see two different challenges, and uh, they were both, like, 
pretty challenging and like kind of cute little twists on the normal mm-hmm. stuff. But they also aren't like so meaty that you're going to want to spend an entire week grinding the score of one out. Right. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's th- this game feels it's it's a very sort of nuanced thing, right? I think people are going to have a lot of fun with it, but I also don't think that means that it's like the best that could have been. <laughs> it's fun and it's polish. And that is yeah. WarioWare. Get it together. Now, Tom, do you have any other closing comments? Nope. WarioWare nope. is silly. Yep. I don't know why he's obsessed with garlic. I don't I don't either. It's quite it's quite silly. That was Give WarioWare. me a new Wario yeah. Land game. We could, we could do that or just i don't know more more stories about all the characters in the warrior wear games because they're so cute and i love watching those cutscenes i just have a lot of fun with them i think they're great the cutscenes are super yes. good yeah i really really like the cutscenes we do have a video up uh with ashley's cutscene um but i think that's all we're gonna have uh going up as far as videos for this game besides maybe some of the nintendo classics games actually Look out for that as well in the near future. Um, but let's talk about another game that's coming out this Friday, who we also have a reviewer for on our panel. Life is Strange, True Colors, which got a 9 out of 10 by Taylor. Taylor, can you give us a short summary of why you gave a 9 out of 10 to Life is Strange, True Colors, which is amazing on the IGN score scale? Yeah, so... I'm a huge fan of Life is Strange. Since the original game came out in 2015, I I just loved the approach uh, that Don't Nod and Deck Nine Games has done with the series as a whole. I know a lot of people were a little apprehensive when Deck Nine w- was announced to develop the new Life is Strange game, but I really liked Before the Storm, which is a game that they also worked on. So, you know, seeing the trailers and then just seeing like <laughs> every time there's like a new trailer or something that the Life is Strange YouTube channel put up, I was like, let me go watch it right now. I, I need to learn more about this game. <laughs> so, you know, the first like hour into the game, I was just, I was like, Oh, I know I'm going to love this game. Every chapter was very, you know, concise. It had its own like focus. Uh, I thought the pacing was really good. Uh, I thought there was a little bit of pacing issues in the last game, uh, Life is Strange 2 by Don't Nod. And, you know, I thought it was great. You know, the writing is, I think, the best. I, I, you know, it just, ah, I, I could just talk about this game for hours. But <laughs> if I had to sum up, I love that the superpower that they used. Uh, I thought they could have just easily done this as a very linear, like, oh, you know, there's an aura and you feel that aura and then something happens. But there was like instances where the collectibles in the game, they'll they'll also kind of like light up as this aura. And then there's also times in the game that are kind of scripted where you have to help somebody uh, with a certain like emotion that they're reacting to. And I thought those were really cool because they would kind of do almost like a flashback of sorts but it was just like an audio only clip and just i just everything is great like if you're watching the video of this now there are times where if an emotion is so strong that alex is feeling it's almost like she's going inside their brain it kind of gave me some psychonauts too vibes a little bit but (laughs) but i liked how it wasn't like just like a oh it's just like you're reading someone's mind it was like no she's actually feeling what this person's feeling like you know it's just it's an empath crank to the max and you know, I'm I was really excited. I'm excited for the DLC that's coming out in a couple of weeks. I was a little bummed that the because the Switch version actually got delayed to later this year. I don't know when in 2021 that it's coming out, but it is coming I'm out. Just in, kidding, uh, my bad. 2021. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But um, but it is coming out on every other platform like Stadia, PlayStation, Xbox, and PC tomorrow or today. I, I think I saw that the preload times or something went up today, something like that. But yeah, it, it's it's really fun. I I'm I'm 
I'm excited to play it on the go when it comes out on Switch. I already have two different versions of this game. You best believe that third one's going to be the Switch. And, uh, and I, I don't know. I just it's it's very hard for me to be emotionally invested in a game where I not just want to know what happens to the characters and the person I'm playing as, but I also want to go out of my way to collect everything. I ended up finding everything in my first playthrough. And keep in mind, I've played this game already four... I've completed it four times. I'm currently on a fifth playthrough. I, I just really like this game. I hope that Deck Nine gets to make more in the future. I hope Square Enix, please, please let Deck Nine make more Life is Strange games. But in either case, I, I'm I liked just everything that they did with this. The animation was really good. I thought that a couple of the Life is Strange games had some stiff animation, uh, so that makes me a little bit more hopeful for the remastered collection that Deck Nine, I believe, is also working on uh, for the first two Life is Strange games, and that is coming out sometime next year we don't know a release date because that got delayed but in short go play life is strange unless if you're if you're trying to wait for it on switch then you're gonna have to wait a little longer but go play this game it's one of my favorite games it's on my front runner list of game of the year but there's still a bunch of other games that i want to play this year but uh, it's looking pretty good for life is strange true colors right now (laughs) yeah i'm i'm interested and i have a lot of questions i don't know where to start uh oh yeah hit me with them (laughs) man okay so i i only played the first Life is Strange, and I have not played any of any of the other ones. I know that this is not connected story-wise to any of them, so that doesn't matter. But would you recommend I play this over any of the other Life is Strange games that are out? Yes. Okay. So I, I think this is the best game in the series. Uh, hands down, bar none. Uh, but also, what I like about Life is Strange as a series... Uh, with the exception of Before the Storm, because that is a prequel to the original game, is that you can go in into any of these games and know nothing about it. But even with Before the Storm as well, Deck Nine did a great job where you could play the game and not have played the first one, and it doesn't you don't feel left out. Or if you played the original and then played Before the Storm because Before the Storm came out after the original one. But you can go into True Colors and you will... I mean, there will be... There's like a few callbacks and like Easter eggs and stuff... Uh, and also one of the characters that you can romance, uh, her name is Steph. Uh, she actually appeared in Before the Storm. But aside from that, you don't have to play the other Life okay. is Strange games to play True Colors. But yeah, I think this is a good. I think this is a a good entry point. And and the fact that uh, Life is Strange and Before the Storm are getting remastered uh, next year, I think that this is a good. Uh, I think this is a good game to kind of get your feeling, like get your feet wet and be like, hmm, do I like Life is Strange? So yes, I. This is a good like first like first life is strange game for people who haven't played the series yet and just a quick summary of of life is strange in general it is a story-based choice game adventure game however you want to present that but the main characters always have some sort of supernatural power like the very first game the main character had the power to like turn back time a little bit and this one as uh, taylor was saying uh, she is an empath and can feel people's emotions but like cranked up to 11 so thank you so much for the summary i really would like to play this i I'm sad that I am so far behind in all of the other games as well, but I'll get to them eventually. Reb and Tom, are you fans of Life is Strange? Reb, please. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, like like lightly, I think. Um, I've played, I've actually not played the first Life is Strange. I have played Life is Strange 2, and I have read one of the comics, and I have played Life is, uh, what was it? Uh, Adventures of Captain Spirit. Okay. Oh yeah, the awesome it? Adventures of Captain Spirit. Yes. Yep. Uh, like the uh, prequel, sort of, for Life is Strange Two, because it came out before Life is Strange Two. Yeah. Yes, and I I enjoyed both of those quite a bit. So I I 
I really like the look of True Colors and the fact that your review praised it so highly makes me very, very excited for it. I actually, I, I, I'm definitely going to get it and play it here very soon. I'm, uh, it it has a lot of things that immediately appeal to me. Uh, it, the All the themes around emotions and, you know, trying to talk about empathy, not just as this particular power that the main character has uh, with with empathy, but also empathy just as a thing that people have for one another, um, I think is very, a, a, a thing that I want to watch a video game explore uh, in a thoughtful and meaningful way. And also the protagonist seems really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And really like good music. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I would hang out with Alex Chen in real life if she was a a real person and not a fictional character. You know, like go to a concert, just rock and roll. Yeah, just just rock it out. Maybe go to a a guitar store and just see like what guitar she picks up or something. She seems like a cool, cool chick. (laughs) Seems really, really cool. Yeah. Also, Colorado, man, like I love the environment that this appears to be set in. Oh, I I want to visit. I do too. <laughs> I was about to uh, book a plane ticket to Colorado just just because the setting was just it, it was just it's incredible. The, it, I think it's the best setting, bar none, in any life of Str- life is strange game. Uh, it's it's uh, like there are times like each chapter or section there's like a opportunity where Alex can just like sit down and just like take in the the world around her. Mm-hmm. Like she'd be sitting at like a bonfire or by like the dock and it'll just cut to so many scenes. And there's like almost every kind of angle that the camera cuts to, you could take a screenshot and that could be like a perfect desktop background. And that's one of my favorite parts of Life is Strange is when they have those moments where the character can just like pause on the objectives and just, just sit down and you can get some and even during certain cutscenes where they cut back and don't zoom too close on like the protagonist and they just kind of focus on the surroundings around them there's just it's it's such a photogenic opportunity like everyone i i, I remember one time someone was like uh, i wish life is strange had a photo mode i was like honestly i don't think it needs one uh, the you know the developers do such a good job just cutting and angling the the, the game that it, it's just like why would we need to put that in there? They're already doing a good job as is. Just just have take good like like reaction. Yeah, just yeah, take a great screenshot. Hope to God that your reaction times are good. And boom, make that your new desktop background. Make that your new iPad background. Whatever it is, <laughs> I have a few. I'm gonna I should share them on Twitter. Actually, I, I took a few screenshots. I was like, oh, I love this game. I want to move to Haven Springs now, even though it's not real. <laughs> This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television, uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want 
I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN. It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Well, thank you so much for telling us more about Life is Strange. True Colors coming out to the Switch, TBD, but sometimes, sometimes soon. It was supposed to be tomorrow, but that's not happening. But that's okay, because there is another game that's coming out this week, and that's WarioWare, which we already talked about. But there is another game that is also out now that you may or may not want to play. I brought it up last week kind of briefly, but uh, Baldo and the Guardian Owls did. We finally got a review up by Gabriel Moss and Gabriel gave it a four out of ten. Tom. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give us a short rundown on like what, what was going on with this review? Uh, yeah. So like this isn't something we... I mean, it's it's not a huge deal. It's not something we mm -hmm. usually go into the details of. No, like, no, no. We, we didn't get code until, you know, uh, the week of launch. I think it might have been the very beginning of the week before it launched. Um, we had a different reviewer. We had uh, someone else on it. They got 20 hours into the game, and it was such a buggy mess that they, like, had lost so much of their progress already that we actually had to switch reviewers um, to, to Gabriel, uh, who's great. Gabriel Moss is one of one of my favorite viewers on IGN, definitely one of, of the of the freelancers we use. And he uh, yeah, he had to go on this 50 hour odyssey where the game, I think he said in his review, crashed 48 individual times to, to the PlayStation dashboard while he was playing. Um, there was one prop point where he like lost his progress and had to restart towards the beginning. Right. Uh -huh. Like it apparently 
it is just a like he played on PlayStation, I think five, I should say, or the PlayStation version of the game. Um, but by all accounts, our first reviewer was playing on PC. Uh, by all accounts, the Switch version and the Xbox version also, and the Steam version don't have or also have performance issues. Uh, the developer, to their credit, has been pushing out patches to try mm-hmm. to solve things. But from what I can tell, that has been helping, but isn't like the core issue either so on top of all the bugs apparently it's just like you know like pretty convoluted in terms of it doesn't give in any like instruction about where you're going and then also it as you can see from if you're watching the video kills you unfairly a lot with a lot of game over screens apparently the dungeon the dungeons are just like frustrating and sort of confusing it's seemingly a very pretty mess of a game and that's a shame because it had a lot of promise and when when we were previewing it and when we were seeing kind of trailers for it it looks really really nice so it's unfortunate to hear that it is in practice not (laughs) yeah I'm also yeah. a, a little bit disappointed. I did start to play it. I talked about this, my own experience of it with it last week. And yeah, the enemies being really overpowered. I mean, you start with three hearts and you, you get hit once. So like, that's basically it. Like I, I that's didn't know crazy. I was signing up for like a, a dark souls game. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. But and like, and it's, it's to be fair, it's like forgiving, can, but like you can, if it kills you to, to be fair, like I've seen, I've been seeing also a lot of comparisons from people on Twitter and stuff to like Zelda Right, because this is a very Zelda-like game in its very. structure and its gameplay, and you can make comparisons like, "Oh, well, in Breath of the Wild, if you go up against a guardian, right, it'll just one-shot you, and you won't realize it." But in Zelda, that's like a lesson you learn, and then mm-hmm. you don't go towards guardians again. Whereas this is, it's like around every corner, every enemy. It, it's not like a thing it teaches you. It's just like kind of in the fabric of the game. Yeah, uh, and similarly, I saw somebody comparing, being like, "Well, it doesn't tell you where to go, but neither did the first Zelda, and that's a masterpiece." And it's like, "Yeah, but if you released the first Zelda today, that would be a complaint about the first Zelda, right? Like, <laughs> it, times change, expectations change, and and I don't think that that is a fair thing to say. Oh, well, this other game from twenty to thirty years ago did similar things, therefore this is okay here. Like it." the context really really matters and also just to to clarify we're not asking for like a a line to show us where to go but a general like go to the cave up in the northwest would like be nice not any instruction yeah any anything like that and like i said i did not play that much but i was hearing a lot of that complaint as well um here is the verdict by gabriel moss they say under all the aggravating bugs and shoddy design balls of the guardian owls is a vast action adventure rpg filled with puzzles and treasures to find if you stick with it long enough you can have some genuine fun exploring this ghibli style world and its simple story but it hardly pays off by the very end the vast sea of technical issues and unfair enemies you need to pass through with little or no direction before you get there make it easy to see a lot of people quitting baldo before they've given it anywhere near that long so uh, yeah i think i think without the bugs and if it didn't crash and was still like had just the general complaints, I think it, it could have gotten an okay score rather sure. than what is, I don't even. Four is bad. Yeah. The, okay. Four is bad. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. I was like, I have, there's so few four games that I don't even remember what that stands for. Yeah. Four, four <laughs> is not, four is the point where you cross into outright bad. Um, yeah. And 
I, I think that maybe I, I agree. Maybe this is one in the future when if there are more patches, maybe they can, mm-hmm. you know, do something to to turn this around. And again, I haven't played the latest version of the game, right? So like it yeah. could be that some things have been or a lot of things have been addressed, but uh additionally, like Gabriel Moss was playing, he started on launch day pretty much, so he he was playing while patches were coming out. So it's mm-hmm. not like he didn't experience those changes as well. I'm I'm hoping they can patch it and not just the game breaking bugs, but maybe the thing that happens where if like a rat knocks you over, you it just hits you again and you die. Um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I really I do hope that they come out with more patches and fix this game up. But that's about it for games out this week. Sort of, kind of. I kind of lied to you with Life is Strange, but that's fine. Let's move on. So there was an interview between Retro Studios developer Mike Wicken on an episode of Kiwi Talks podcast. And this was an article by Logan Plant on IGN.com. But the headline is Metroid Prime's crunch was so bad that it nearly broke Retro Studios. And it just kind of goes into an interview talking to Wiccan about what it was like working at the Austin, Texas-based Retro Studios back in like 2002 and previously and how absolutely terrible the crunch was. So just a just a quote. I had two times where I was there for four to eight hours straight with one hour of sleep and then a couple 36-hour stays. And then the last nine months, we pretty much were there 24-7 working on the game. And that was before Metroid Prime. And if you know anything about Retroid, Stu- Retro- why did- Retroid, I just combined the two names. But if you know anything about Retro Studios, before uh, they before before they finished with Metroid Prime, they actually had multiple games in development. And it was kind of like a pseudo partnership with Nintendo. But they had a football game, they had a car combat game, an RPG, and then the an untitled action game. And that untitled action game was actually adapted into uh, Metroid Prime because I think someone from Nintendo actually visited their studios, looked at all of their demos and said, this could be a Metroid game. And that's how Metroid Prime came to be. And then all of the other previous games got canceled after Metroid Prime came out. Nintendo scooped it up officially and things apparently got better. But there's, I don't like, I have a lot of questions. Is crunch like that? ever worth it no no we're making, they're making video games no yeah that is i mean that that is the answer right like i just like feel like i had to <laughs> put it out there the answer is no crunch like that is never bad and um wiccan de- did go on to say never that i think i think you just yeah. said never bad it's never yeah. worth it it's always bad <laughs> it's, bad. it's always yes, bad it's never worth it <laughs> it's not worth it okay i'm sorry unless it's captain please. crunch no. captain crunch is good yeah captain, captain crunch, crunch is always crunch. good please have good. captain crunch in the office at all times i will unless, always unless it cuts the roof of your mouth which was a thing Damn in it. the 90s it still does it yeah. still does tom peanut it's- butter crunch especially still okay. leaves crunch causes all kinds of pain in all forms that's all <laughs> i'm saying okay but captain crunch oh is gosh. also occasionally tasty so that's really good um, but yeah, no, I mean, the people are making video games here, and this is not, they're, I mean, really, in like an ideal society, nobody has to overwork themselves for any reason whatsoever, even like necessary things. But at this point, we're talking like video games, which are which are unnecessary, they're fun and wonderful, but no, if, if <laughs> literally the only way the Metroid Prime series ever could have been made is with 48-hour days then Metroid Prime shouldn't exist. That said, I think Metroid Prime absolutely can exist with people not 
working that many hours as we have seen with later Metroid Prime games. So, you know, therefore, I, I am glad that I am glad that somebody got that under control. Yes. Yeah. That does make in the, later on in the interview. Um, he actually, Wiccan actually goes on to say that Nintendo realized what was going on and did take over the company and Nintendo of America's Michael uh, Kelbaugh was put in charge and eventually quote, restored faith in leadership. And he goes on to say, in fact, after Metro Prime one, we rarely crunched. We had some crunch, but it wasn't like the nine month death march at the end of Metro Prime one. That was the worst. And after Prime, they went on to make more uh, the rest of the Prime trilogy. And they worked on Donkey Kong Country Returns and Tropical Freeze. So that's really good to hear that uh, different leadership and people who can like see what's going on and then choose to step in and fix it can actually produce a solution and sound like something that works. Yeah. I will say I I would maybe just express like the smallest amount of caution because I saw I saw some discussion when this article and when this when this discussion came out uh online and in various circles about oh they got rid of crunch, they eliminated crunch oh, and Well, that's not really true. Yeah. They, they did still crunch and I also I, this is not in any way to disbelieve Mike Wicken or to to say anything remotely about his account, but I it, I have done enough reporting on these kinds of things that there are a lot of companies where some person will say, "Oh, we don't really crunch anymore." Meanwhile, people in a completely different department are still crunching, or people's definition of crunch is can be very flexible. Like maybe there's no mandatory crunch, but maybe some people are choosing to overwork themselves and no one's stepping in and doing anything about it. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of different, it's a very nuanced issue. There's a lot of different types of crunch. And so I'm always, whenever there's some kind of thing that comes out that goes, Oh, these people don't crunch. I, there's always just a little bit of skepticism. Like really, if if your company's like five employees all working from home and you all specifically only work 40 hours a week and are very committed to that, that's one thing. But when you have a, a large, large ship to steer, anytime someone says that, I just, mm, really, are you sure? Have you checked? No, it <laughs> the, is. The target. But I don't think, I don't think that's what he's saying here. I, I think that's an interpretation people are running with. No, I do completely agree with you. And I personally, I, I do think there's a difference between forced 48 hour days and forced like you can't leave the office for nine months versus like yeah i really care about this one thing and i could leave it how it is but i want to put in an extra like two hours to really really make it shine like i feel like those are two and i feel like in any industry like ours like even there's always going to be some of the latter where someone chooses to do a little bit extra and unless they have a boss literally yelling at them to stop and go home they're not going to (laughs) So it yeah. really comes down to to leadership needing to look over their employees and telling them when it is okay to stop. Yeah. And I, again, it, it's such a, such a tricky issue too, because you're right. You know, sometimes someone might, I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll freely admit I have mm-hmm. done, I have done this and continue to do this sometimes. Sometimes there's something I really care about that I am just in a zone and I'm working on it and I'm feeling really good. And I think, you know what, I'm going to stay an extra 30 minutes, going to stay an extra hour and finish this up because I'm, I've got good momentum. I feel good about it. I'm enjoying this. I'm, I'm going to get it done. Uh, and like, I think that's okay sometimes, mm-hmm. but also turning it into a habit or a mentality where you, you are just constantly staying over that then becomes an example for other people because other people see how hard you're working. I mean, I've been in positions like this where I've worked alongside folks at previous jobs where they were staying extra hours. And I looked at that and thought, okay, well, they're doing it. So 
Therefore, I guess I probably should be too. Am I, am I, do I look like the lazy one? Uh, and, and that mentality spreads and then it becomes out of hand. And so it's really tough. You, you need people in positions of power to, as it seems like Michael Kelbaugh did here, step in and say, Hey, no, we're, we're not doing this. Everybody needs to chill out. Um, mm-hmm. but, but also have kind of that understanding and that flexibility to tell the difference of when someone is putting their heart into some, something as a one-time thing in a way that is meaningful to them. Uh, or when somebody is turning something into a habit that is ultimately going to turn into a damaging behavior. I, I completely agree with that. I I'd, I'd also, one thing I will say too, is like, not to diminish this experience or this example of this at all, but like, I I wouldn't see this as an opportunity to say, "Wow, Retro Studios specifically was so terrible at this." Oh yeah, no, not at all. Because like, right. for every story you hear about Crunch, there's ten more you don't, right? Like, yeah. so, and especially at this time period in the industry, where like now people are talking about Crunch relatively regularly. And it's like a topic. And at this time, it was not at all, right, in terms of public conversation. And so, like, again, that's not to excuse it. That's not to diminish it in any way. It's just like, it's it's not worth necessarily dogpiling on this as, like, a standout case. Because the truth is, we don't know if this was, a like, anomaly or, like, the industry standard to a certain mm-hmm. extent. And, like, that's terrible. <laughs> like, that's not a good thing. But, like, yeah, it sucks to hear this story, and it's prob- it sucks even more to know that it's probably just the tip of the iceberg in a lot of cases. But I'm glad that we were able to kind of get an inside insider report on what happened, and because I can't... Knowing what happened in the past makes it easier to avoid it in the future and also know that there are solutions. Solutions exist to these problems and we can implement them in the future in all sorts of workplaces, not just game developers or like media sites like like us. If you're if you're if your job is making you crunch, don't don't do it. Go talk to someone. Tell them like, hey, I can't do all of this in my 40 hours a week. Can you take something off my plate? And if you have a good boss, they'll try and help you out. (laughs) Yeah, some some people I think don't have the ability to do that, but yeah, which sucks. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's what you're going through, and I wish I could help you. But we're here to talk about video games, so we're going to continue on to talking more about what we learned during that interview, which is that Nintendo completely reworked Metroid Prime Trilogy script when they re-released it on the Wii. So in 2009, as you know, Retro repackaged all three Metroid Prime games for the Wii. And they basically kept, they changed a few balancing issues with bosses and changed a few things here and there. But they say that Nintendo combed through the scans from all three Prime games and created a spreadsheet analysis of how it fits within the Prime universe. And they sent them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of edits and changes for all of the text to make sure everything harmonized and worked in the Metroid universe. They put a lot of detail in it. Uh, Wiccan said that that's probably 50 to 60% of the work that they did on Trilogy was just changing the scan files based on the feedback from Nintendo to make sure everything was coherent and worked together within this universe that they created. Which is crazy. I mean, that's pretty cool to me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It is. It is really cool. I'm so glad that they that someone cared that much to do that. It's it's weird and unexpected, but like, if you look at Nintendo's kind of flagship series, 
Metroid is the only one with contiguous lore, I guess is the right way to put it. Like, yeah, there's some <laughs> Star Fox continuity and Zelda has its sort of larger story, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, and, and those stories are connecting. Like we were seeing with stuff with maybe mm-hmm. the Breath of the Wild sequel connecting back to old games and, you know, the Skyward Sword being the originator and all that stuff. I'm not saying it doesn't have lore. It has lots of lore, but like, mm-hmm. Metroid Prime is the only one where, like, Samus is Samus. So the interaction Samus has in this world has, has, like, if they want it to be a, like, solid universe, needs to be uh, consistent in that way. So I kind of appreciate that they did mm-hmm. this, that they that they care enough about the Metroid universe to be like, you know what, let's make sure we got all this right throughout this, um, because these games have become sort of a a focal point of this universe in maybe a way that they didn't expect them to when they found just a random action game retro was working on and said hey make this metroid right like Mm -hmm. that's that's cool to me um yeah no it it really is and it also i think speaks to how maybe suggest how hands-on nintendo is being with metroid prime 4 as well because if we if you recall when metroid Prime 4 was first announced back in 2017. We didn't know the developer. It was then rumored to be Bandai Namco. But then in January 2019, uh, Nintendo gave the series back to Retro and started over development entirely. They didn't take they didn't take that lightly. This was a very serious decision for them to make and for them to give it back to Retro. And I'm just I'm I'm so curious about why they made the decision to give it to someone new in the first place and why they chose to move it two years later. And it must have already been in development at least a little bit before they made that announcement as well. So like, I can't, I just can't imagine how much work isn't being used that was spent on the first, uh, the, the first prototype of Metroid Prime 4. We've still not seen any Metroid Prime 4, right? No, nothing. Not a dang thing. Well, well, we saw a logo. A logo. Oh, we saw a logo. Yeah, we saw a logo. A logo that's probably probably been redesigned by now. Was it twenty seventeen? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. E three, E three, twenty seventeen. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this is so long. But again, like Casey said, twenty nineteen probably this game started from scratch mostly, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there was this expectation that like, oh, retro has it now, they'll finish it from a lot of people, and like that's we've said this before in the show, but like that's not the case, right? Like they yeah. almost certainly started from basically square one. Is our understanding of the situation? Um. Yeah, so the, the fact that it's been this long is like 2017 is like when they announced it, but really it's it's only been a couple years probably since they've really started digging into it. Mm-hmm. They seem to be taking Metroid Prime, specifically Metroid Prime, not Metroid in general, Metroid Prime, very seriously in a way that I'm, I'm not I'm not a super fan of Metroid or anything, but in in a way that I I don't think they were doing when they were first releasing the Metroid Prime games, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like, like I said, it seems like Nintendo didn't get really hands on with it until they until they were re releasing it for the Wii. Yeah. So I, I'm like, I guess that's my point is like they're probably being just as hands on as they were with the trilogy, if not more, and that's why they're the quality standards and maybe the reason it is a little bit slower than normal just to go through the channels to get things approved and everything is probably a lot of a slower process than just making the thing and getting checked in on just every once in a while but we'll we'll learn more about that probably i don't know like 10 years down the line someone will like leave and be like yeah this is actually what happened and then we'll learn and we'll report it on it right here on a nintendo voice chat 
I will just say that when this news story went around about the Metroid Prime Trilogy script, I absolutely thought that they had finally announced that long-rumored Metroid Prime Trilogy for Switch. Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, man, if they if they did announce that, I would cry tears of joy. Don't, yes. don't say this. You're going to make our audience sad. Yeah. I know. I, I know nothing. I have no insider information. I just know everyone thinks it's happening. So I, <laughs> It I has that. to, right? No. Right? The rumor the rumor's been for like the last two years. Oh, it's done. It's done. They're just waiting to release it. It's done. It, <laughs> it's, I, is it? I don't know. It's I don't a, know. It's Nintendo and it's a Nintendo rumor. So like, no, nothing has to happen <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> we'll know more when it happens. And while we were continuously thinking about that for the rest of time. Let's talk about the hypothetical Nintendo 64 mini that may or may not come out that we made up because this month is the 25th anniversary of Nintendo 64 on the September 29th, at least in North America. But to continue, we are building a list from scratch on our most wanted Nintendo 64 games that we would want on this hypothetical system. Our list so far, Mario Kart 64, WWF, No Mercy, Majora's Mask, and Ocarina of Time. Tom, let's start with you. Here's the thing. I told everyone, pick one game. Tom said, can I pick two? And I said, yes. But if we have you on again, you might not be able to choose a second. Tom, this is uh, this is four games. <laughs> I can't decide. Don't He's start with me. Do Taylor and Reb first. I'm literally looking at the list of games I chose. And I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta narrow this down. I got to narrow gotta, this down. All right. Well, while you're narrowing it down, uh, Reb, why don't you tell us about your pick? Uh, sorry, someone just knocked on my door. Oh. Uh, I I think mine is going to be Donkey Kong 64, which I, I feel like is an embarrassing choice, right? Because Donkey Kong 64 is, I think, objectively not a good game. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of a mess, but but I love it. It occupies a really special place in my heart. Uh, growing up, I didn't have a Nintendo 64. My next door neighbor did. I would go over there, gosh, almost every afternoon, and we would play Donkey Kong 64. Uh, and we, we were kids, so, you know, there are no game guys. We were very bad at video games. And we were just trying to stumble our way through all these puzzles. And we never finished it. We got so close. We got to the final boss, but we could not beat K. Rule. And then he moved away. And oh, so I no. never finished Donkey Kong 64. But I have just such fond memories of it. I have just these very fond memories of the music and the world and the five characters that you had to switch between to. You need to go get that. Somebody is pounding on my door. Yeah, Taylor, yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Chewy>. Uh, <laughs> so my pick is Star Fox 64. So I, I, you know, I was I was going back and forth on this. Originally, I was going to put Goldeneye. I was like, okay, I feel like legally speaking, that will be almost impossible. So realistically speaking, an, a game I actually would wa want to see in like an N64 classic is Star Fox 64. I I, I don't know what's going on with the Star Fox series. I, I, I want a new game that's not like a remake, 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 like an actual new <laughs> game. But... Star Fox 64, like, if that's not, I don't know, if it's not on there, I'm going to be very upset because I'm pretty sure, please, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the NES Classic and the SNES Classic had Star Fox games. The SNES Classic had the, the canceled Star Fox, yeah. too, so, yeah. I mean, let's be consistent, Nintendo. If you make this, you gotta put Star Fox 64 in there. <laughs> I feel like every game with 64 has to, oh, maybe not. It was Superman 64, right? <laughs> Never mind, I, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> I remember seeing that at, at my Blockbuster. Oh, gosh, I'm really just giving away how old I am, huh? I'm 26 in case anybody cares. But I, I remember when I was in my, my local Blockbuster, I was, you know, renting games and stuff. And I think I one time I was renting Yoshi's Story, and that's where I saw Superman 64. I was like, oh, this game looks interesting. So the next weekend that I went, picked up the game. God, I wish I had just got Yoshi's Story again that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think having Superman 64 on there would be great just for the hu- the humor, the memes. It, oh, do you ever have a memes, Nintendo? Listen, I'm having enough trouble picking non-meme picks here. Like, <laughs> well, if it makes if it makes any of you feel any better, on the last the the final episode of this month where we go over this, we will, as a panel, look at our whole list and choose to axe and add games as we so please. So oh. if that makes you feel any better. Except except for WWF No Mercy, I promised Mitchell that we would not remove that from the list. <laughs> mm. I will, Don't I will like that, Tom. I will wrap up what I was saying before and yeah. give Tom a couple extra sec- seconds. Donkey Kong 64, definitely terrible. Swimming in that game is terrible. The jetpacks are terrible. It's so hard. It's switching between characters Such a good because pitch. you're running along. What? Such a good pitch you're making. <laughs> no, you're running along as Tiny Kong because the bananas are purple and then suddenly the bananas are blue and you got to switch to Leggy Kong to finish collecting them, but the tag barrel's way the heck over there. Like, it, it, it's so bad. But it's, it's fun and it's charming, and I think it set a lot of the tone for what Donkey Kong is now, even if we don't have Donkey Kong games like that anymore. And I think even if it is kind of messy, a lot of people remember it fondly and humorously. I will never forget those horrible beetle races. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I want Donkey Kong 64. I, th- I think you do not have an N64 classic without Donkey Kong 64. There's no way. I think that's a good pitch. Honestly, it's it's a classic. It has to be on there. I'm sure they're kind of like not the best games on the Super Nintendo and NES Classic, right? No, because yeah, well, because it was it was a weird time, right? Like everybody was trying to figure Mario 64 was this pioneering game, and suddenly everybody's trying to figure out how to make more things like that, and clumsily doing so right no i think i think we it's were a, all, everybody was learning i think it's a totally respectable pick not all the games on those many systems are good and it's a it is a classic for the n64 so i i yeah. see that thank you um right, Tom, you're up choose two okay <laughs> well okay because like <laughs> let me let me let me just talk out can i say the ones oh i'm gosh. not gonna pick first Yes, they're your honorable mentions. The, the the honorable mentions that I have here are, I was going to say Banjo-Kazooie, because Banjo-Kazooie, you can't, like, that seems like that's going to end up on this list eventually, right? Um, but also, ah. the hilarious idea of Banjo-Kazooie and Donkey Kong 64 making it before we say Super Mario 64 is, like, <laughs> incredible to me. <gasps> we haven't sh- said Super Mario no. 64 the yet! The no that that, that is... <laughs> Everyone's logicing it like Tom is, where it's like, yeah. well, someone's going to say it eventually, so they don't want to waste their pick on something that someone will say yeah. eventually. It's going to so, get added at the end, yeah. so why should I waste my choice, right? <laughs> um, the other one that I was going to do an honorable, or honorable mention for was Diddy Kong Racing. That one was high up there that I was thinking about, but I think I'm going to replace Diddy Kong Racing with my gut pick, which is Snowboard Kids. 
What the heck is a snowboard kid? I know. That, that's my reaction. What even is that? Why would what it be on this? Kid? There are 12 people listening to this podcast right now who just went, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went, yeah, inside my heart. Snowboard- Seth Macy, that seems like a game he would like. Probably Seth likes snowboard kids. Yeah. No, s- snowboard kids <laughs> is a, basically, Kurt Racer is the best way to describe it, but you are... It's like a 3D racing game where your kids on a snow on snowboard snowboarding down mountains and you're racing down the mountains and you can pick up like weapons to shoot each other and like things to like you can turn everybody into snowmans and then they can't control and it's really funny. It is they they made Snowboard Kids and Snowboard Kids 2 but like it is a genuine cult classic. It is an incredible like I remember it it's one of my most iconic favorite N64 games, and I wanted I want it to be honored here because I really do think it's really really good and fun. Um, so that's my actual pick is Snowboard Kids, and I will even leave it at that. Uh, okay, and, we don't and, even have Smash Brothers on here yeah, yet. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I this is this is part of the dilemma I had was yeah. I was like. Am I really picking snow? But like Snowboard Kids, when you asked me this question, Snowboard Kids was the game that came into my mind. And I was like, I'm just going to pick it. My other the other honorable mention that I was going to say if I had to pick a second, but I won't be greedy right now is uh, was Kirby 64 Crystal Shards, which is just a phenomenal Kirby game. And I love Kirby. So that's my insane, wild, stupid, terrible pick when there's still Smash Bros and Super Mario 64 and all these other things sitting on the table. But I don't care. I love Snowboard Kids. And if you love Snowboard Kids, please, like, shout it out because it deserves more love. I appreciate it. Yeah. Casey, doing a list like this means you're inevitably going to end up with a fictional N64 classic that has the problems of the current, like, NES classic and SNES classic where everyone's like, wait, where are these games that should obviously be on here? It's it's chaos. I'm trying to replicate whatever (laughs) happened at Nintendo last time. (laughs) Where everyone's someone to argue (laughs) Yeah, everyone assumes it will be picked, so they just don't like bring it up, and then you know it just gets forgotten. This is the Amazing. most accurate yeah. method. Yeah, <laughs> this, is how, yeah. this is how it's done. Just people throwing darts at a board of things that they liked as kids that no one else knew about. No, also uh, secret. There's going to be five empty slots at the end of at the end of the month that we can then fill in with anything that's like. Yeah, who needs, like brutally miss, miss like missing don't need, so. like Super Mario sixty four? Then it's fine. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get, get Mark Medina on here and he'll pick it for us. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> Here's I my have, wild sleeper pick. We need Pokemon Stadium, but then we need it to have connectivity on this little classic system with current Pokemon games, so you can transfer Pokemon from them into the whole stadium. <laughs> you know what? I'm doing everything. Let's do it. No. You know, Taylor also said Pokemon Stadium. I also think Pokemon Stadium should be on there. It's got it's it's got the Doduo Game Boy player. Like, come on. It's got Aww. mini games. Which I mean, the mini games aren't Mario Party, but I, I suck in a lot of hours. That that sushi one with the Lickitungs. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sushi go round. Well, jam. <laughs> for for years, I would for my birthday, I would tell people, all right, all I want to do, I want to have some libations and I want to play Pokemon Stadium. And everyone's like, all right, Casey, yeah, that sounds like super fun. And then they realize very quickly, I'm absolutely hustling them because no one can beat me at that game on those mini games. <laughs> and I would basically just wreck them for hours. And now no one wants to play with me on, on my birthday anymore. Uh, <laughs> noted for your next birthday. Guys. I also did this at IGN. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. 
<laughs> now I want to challenge Casey to a Pokemon Stadium mini game. I'm like, challenging you. We have to do it, and, and we need we need a mini with online capability so that we can do exactly. this. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Or, or more realistically, just Nintendo should just like put N64 games on Switch Online, or that. And then we could we, then with some online connectivity, and then we can play the mini games together. They're not going to put that on We're, there. They're going to put snowboard kids. <laughs> Or and, and or well, I would take a remake. Very happy. <laughs> the other thing about yeah. snowboard kids. Let me tell you. No, oh I'm gonna, I'm literally going to go listen to the soundtrack after this because I love that soundtrack so much. <laughs> I guess I'll I'll give it a shot. I'll give the soundtrack a shot. See what do you think? I'll send and you some. I'll send you some links. Yeah, send me some. Just post the bangers like no context in the NBC Slack channel. <laughs> cool. And then Seth Macy will be like, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. He's going to be messaging us us after this. What the heck is a snowboard, kids? Why are you talking about me? (laughs) No, then he's going to play it, and then he's going to be like, I can't believe I've never played this before. (laughs) That was a good Seth Macy impression. That was very good. I appreciate it. Thank you for telling me your picks for the hypothetical Nintendo 64 Mini that Nintendo will never come out with, but we can hope for. And we chose Snowboard Kids, Star Fox 64, and Donkey Kong 64. Thank you, guys. I do not. I'm not having additional picks. I'm, I'm choosing to relinquish my power of being on every week so other people can get more picks. But let's talk about games that we've been playing. Taylor, besides Life is Strange True Colors, what else have you been playing? I have been playing the wonderful world of Clubhouse Games, 51 Worldwide Classics. Uh, I picked it up, it was like on sale a couple months ago, and my mom kept saying how she wanted to try it out, because uh, I'm actually going to give her my old Switch after the OLED comes out. And then uh, she was like, is there like a bowling game on Switch that I could like try out sometime? I was like... Uh, sort of i think she saw a commercial for it or something but she didn't know what the game was she's like i want the bowling game i was like that's not what it's called but i know what you're talking about and we just so every now like on the weekends and stuff we'll we'll sometimes just play and we mostly just play bowling although she got a kick out of the fishing game which i also really liked baseball one was eh, but that bowling game we went 20 (laughs) rounds and we was just yeah and then we we topped it off with some fishing and we were just like this is awesome we were we were just so satisfied with just those two games. Like I know there's like fifty something other games. I was like, no, 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 we're we're, we're going <laughs> with these two right here. Could did you play those games on the same switch or with two different switches together? Oh no, it was. Uh, I just brought my switch. Okay, and okay, I, okay. We just played. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, I'm, I'm, am I thinking about a, of a different game? I thought I got Clubhouse games, and I, I was having a hard time finding games I could play with just two players. Dang, I, yeah, I should revisit. I should go back and look at it and be like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> but no, that was that was a perfect game for I I really liked it because I was able it just has a bunch of different board games that you can take with you instead of having to take the physical board games with you. So once traveling becomes more of a regular thing, I think it's a great game to have on your switch. Tom, what else are you playing besides WarriorWare? Uh shout out to a very cute co-op game called Kiwi. Yay! K E Y W E. So like key, like a like a key. We, um, which is a game about where it's a, a co-op game, or you can, I think you can play it single player, but it's really meant to be played two player. Um, where you are two kiwi birds working in a a mail place, a postal <laughs> office, and you have to send letters and sort packages, and it's just adorable. It's kind of follows the um. 
the overcooked style of game where you have these individual levels and it's timed and the quicker you complete all of the tasks of those levels, the kind of higher metal you get. But then there's like tons of outfits you can unlock to put on the Kiwis and there's lots of little cute secrets. And it's just a very, if if you're looking for a light, fun co-op game that is less, a similar sort of vibe to Overcooked, but a very, very different like play style. It's, it's really, really good. Kiwi is, I, I highly recommend. Thanks. Yeah, it looks super cute. So like, is it, is it kind of like a stage-based co-op like story game like Overcooked is? Yeah, yeah, but it's cool. story being a uh, uh, generous loose. Word. It's not. It's okay. not really about that. It's but mm-hmm. it it does have this sort of like slight through line of the Kiwis having to deal with more complicated packages and tasks and stuff and getting attacked by bugs that will like take the shipping labels off of your boxes and stuff. It's it's very cute. It sounds adorable, and I would like to play it. Yeah, <laughs> Reb. What are you playing? Uh, the quick run through of things is that I am reviewing a. G- I can I can say this. I am reviewing a game called Toem, which I think we've mentioned on this podcast before. Uh, the embargo is up on Monday, so I can't talk about it now. But I will be able to talk about it next week. Uh, I am still playing Ring Fit every day. I have jumped back into Genshin Impact. Uh, on PC, it's not on Switch yet. Yeah, still. when it, when is it coming on Switch? Like, what happens? No, but I want to play it on my couch. Yeah. I want to leave my chair at the end of the day, so I'm ready for the Switch version. It's mobile. Or put it on Xbox. That's the PlayStation is the only console I don't have, so you can play yeah. it on your phone, right? I don't want to play yeah. it on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm small. laughs> wait, wait, wait! wait. No, 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 come on, come on! There's plenty of great controllers on the phone, like like the Backbone that I'm not going to take okay, out come on. the box. But, but like, this is great for the iPhone. I play, <laughs> I play plenty of mobile games. I just don't want to play Genshin Impact specifically on my phone. I want the big, beautiful vistas. Well, I really yeah, stepped also, on a hornet nest here. <laughs> no, and also, also to Reb's like defense, like I specifically chose a phone that is like actually. You know, like hand size, not one of those like big, <laughs> like, can you not see here? Here's an actual like mini iPad tablet for you. That's fair. So That's I want to be I play, able- I play plenty of phone games. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, for Switch, the thing that I, I, I will like to talk about is Golf Club Wasteland, which yeah. I just started last night. Uh, oh, it's such an interesting little game. It is a golf game. Uh, it is not a golf game Coffee? in the sense. Yes. Sorry. Uh, it, is, it is not a golf game in the sense that you might expect from things like Mario Golf or Everybody's Golf, where there's things like wind and and weather and complicated, like multiple button presses to get the swing. It's very simple. You use the control stick to like the amount that you press is how hard you hit, and then you hit A to hit the ball. Uh, but you are the the premise is that human life has been almost entirely wiped out and the remaining humans live on Mars now. Uh, and it's basically all the rich people who were able to pay to evacuate Earth when things started to go south. And you are, I'm not super far yet, but you were presumably one of those people. And now the rich use the ruined Earth as a golf course. And so you have returned and you are just playing golf through all these weird deeply post-apocalyptic settings and all of these stages are set up like if you're watching the video you can see it's it's less about trying to play serious golf and more about trying to solve the puzzle of how do i get the ball through this ruined building through these pipes over this water hazard and into the hole uh it's really cool because there's not 
pars per se. As long as you can get it in the hole, you move on. But if you can get it under a certain par, you will unlock diary entries that reveal a little bit more of the story of what happened to Earth. And as you're playing, there's a radio station playing, uh, Mars Radio, that is it's playing really chill music, but it also will occasionally have interviews with survivors of this apocalypse uh, who will tell you their stories and kind of give you more background on what happened. Uh, it's got a lot of very interesting social commentary in there. Uh, it is it is not a non-political game, but it is, it's really beautiful and sad, but chill. Uh, the, the music and the vibes of it are very cool. And it, especially as someone who doesn't super care if I get it in under a certain amount of strokes, uh, I, I'm really enjoying trying to figure out how to hit a golf ball over a giraffe that has escaped from a zoo and into mutated. a hole on the other side. Yeah, mutated. Man, uh, the premise. Oh, there it is. Game, There's a draft. Yeah, this, the premise for this game is deeply upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm really. It's so interesting that there's so much more to it than just just golfing. I think this looks really cool. I really really like the the premise of this game. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Thanks, and that's a golf club wasteland. Yeah. Um. So. Games I'm playing. I'm also playing WarioWare. Uh, I also started Monster Harvest yesterday. And Monster Harvest came out at the end of August and does have some bugs. They have not been totally fixed yet, but I think it is really promising. I was really having a lot of fun with oh it playing gosh. yesterday. That's, I mean, it's very... This is like the most Stardew Casey Valley, thing. Pokemon. Yeah, Stardew Valley, but with Pokemon. Yeah. It just showed up on the screen. Yeah, this is a Casey game. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, a yeah, lot of classic Casey. <laughs> so, a lot of the mechanics are actually very similar to Rune Factory, where you have to, like, use different tools to get rid of the, like, stumps and rocks and stuff that's on your land. You use a hoe to, like, make plots so you can plant your seeds and you got to sell your, um, sell your your mutatos and cook with them in order to <laughs> in order to like make money and stuff however there's also some weird radioactive slime that your uncle discovered and if you take that slime and put it on your plant when it finishes growing it'll become a planimal instead of a, a instead of so instead of a mutato you get a mutank and it is a potato that walks and then you bring them into a dungeon and make them fight um <laughs> and you can hit these monsters in these dungeons with your sword and it starts a turn-based battle system where you get to like choose your moves and you unlock more moves as you level up it is actually pretty difficult because once you encounter a monster you can't run away and you can't switch your monsters so you're kind of just stuck with whatever you're using and if you get a full party wipe you are barred from the dungeon for the rest of the day but it's okay and also they're permanently dead your monsters are dead now sorry but you get to take their souls and put them into your soil so your next monsters will be better. Oh my gosh. <laughs> also, That's morbid. It's, uh, there's also some nefarious stuff going on. There's definitely the shopkeeper is definitely there as a complete opportunist and just is there to take advantage of people. He charged me a thousand gold to get a bigger backpack. I mean, criminal, just absolute, absolutely criminal. Highway robbery. Yeah, highway ro robbery. What are you doing? Um, also, I don't know why, but your uncle looks like Rick Sanchez. Uh, I don't know. Um, but there were, it, the controls are a little bit clunky and really need to be improved. Just basic things like I couldn't craft something because I needed an empty spot in my inventory 
but it didn't tell me that I needed that. So it made the sound effect and showed the item as if I had crafted it. But then when I would leave the crafting menu, it just wasn't there. So that was confusing. And also like putting things away in your chest and everything like inventory management is just kind of clunky and like not great. But I, the story is interesting. The gameplay is super chill and relaxing. And I'm really interested to make totally ridiculous, crazy, hybrid, plantable monsters with my uncle. That sounds like a good time. I'm also, I'm thinking about yeah. Mutato for the next yeah. like two days. You got, you got to get the Mutato. <laughs> but anyway, that is Monster Harvest. I'm, I'm going to play it more. Uh, I'm very, int- it, I'm really liking it so far. I also played uh, Alpaca Ball, which is a, which came out last year, and I only know about this because janet tweeted about it and i was like i need to buy this immediately so i did and it you can play this game co-op with up to eight local eight local players can play this game together and it's basically like i don't know like top down rocket league with alpacas and it's completely ridiculous and just silly as hell and some of the levels have obstacles and there and sometimes your uh, alpaca will get a random level uh like power up that makes it big or shrinks everyone else or makes it so that you can telepathically control the ball or the puck or whatever it is you're trying to hit it is a blast it is silly as hell i had a lot of fun with it uh rec- recommended party game for sure Super this is easy glorious. to get Yeah, it's great. I know. <laughs> it's very <laughs> easy to understand. And not watching this trailer right now, please look up a trailer for this. What the heck? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's really silly. And also all those customizations you can do like off the get-go. So you can just like in the menu, you just customize your alpaca to look very silly. And then when you win, you can try and stack all of your alpacas on your team. It's very it's it's silly as <laughs> heck. It's it's I like it. I like this game. It's fun. It's a good time. This kind of reminds me of like the, you remember the backyard sports games? Like, uh, what was it? Sixth generation. It, it, it's given me like backyard basketball vibes for some reason, like just goofy, weird. Yeah, I got to buy this. I, I have to buy this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for sharing the games that you're playing this week. I have just enough time for one question. And I picked this question specifically for Reb, this question is from Clark from Cleveland. I'm going to summarize what they're asking. Um, the question for the MVC crew is, do you think Nintendo will make another game for the RingCon? And are there any peripherals any peripherals that didn't stick around that you wish did? Oh, thank you. I, uh, I, I don't, well, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out with another uh, Ring Fit, like a Ring Fit 2. Um, I don't think they will make anything that is not ring fit for the ring con. I think yeah. given their history with peripherals and just, just given the games industry's history with peripherals, I think that is not something that happens, but I, I think that ring fit has been successful enough that they would come out with a sequel. I hope that if they do, they do release a digital version for people who already have the ring con instead of making yeah. everybody buy another freaking ring con or what would be worse is like make, make an up graded ring con oh, or God, something that you have no. to have to play <laughs> that that would be such a nintendo thing to do but I, I hope they don't do that i hope they just you know do the do the Wii fit thing where mm-hmm. you can have the balance board and it's fine um i don't know i'm not a, i'm not a big peripheral person no. um i don't i don't really know that there's any that i've really loved enough to wish we're still around i mean every time i've had a peripheral Long term, it's just kind of ended up as a pile of plastic junk in the back of my gaming cabinet. Right? I have a, 
I have a huge bin just full of gaming peripherals that I don't use, but I keep just in case. And unfortunately, that is all the time we have left. And just to top off that topic, Clark did say that they wish that they still had the, the light guns and like those games but that is about all the time we have left for nintendo voice chat this week remember we go live every thursday at 3 p.m pacific time and we're available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms you can also write to us at nvc at ign.com or respond to our question block post each week on our facebook group which you can find on nintendo voice chat podcast forums it's a mouthful anyway thank you so much for joining and remember this is the only place you can Get the thing. Get the thing. <laughs> yeah, well, you can get the ring con. Yeah. Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna Original Podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes.